Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this morning are our co-hosts, Evie Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this morning, Evie? I'm awake, sort of, that, maybe. That's, that's good. I mean, I'm always impressed by the fact that you're proud that you're awake at 3 in the afternoon. Uh, mm-hmm. That takes dedication. Um, uh, speaking of being impressed that you're awake, Spirit joining us from the other bottom half of the world. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm I'm getting there. When I woke up and rolled onto Mumble, I was actual zombie Spirit face, but I'm actually like super excited to talk about stuff today. So I'm almost uh, awake. Excellent. And uh, joining us, as I said before, is Rabin. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing better. I think there's about it's about 80 degrees warmer than it was last time I was on the podcast. So that's that's nice. Jeez. Yeah, we've had a bout of nice temperate somewhat warm weather uh in Seattle. So uh, you know, when I look out my window, I can actually see snow and I have no idea how I'm supposed to feel about that. Yeah, that's that's pretty weird. Uh, so uh, we missed last week, but that's because uh, we were busy with our website getting hacked and also because there was nothing to talk about last week. So this week, Guild Wars 2 was so, so friendly and decided to dump an enormous amount of information about Revenants onto us. So I guess we're just going to move right on into the rotating cog to talk about that. No patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. So when I said we were going to talk about Revenants, I didn't read the show notes carefully enough. I guess we're actually talking about things that were in the gem store? Eh? I just threw a few things in there. I mean, that really not much has happened since the last time we did a podcast, but there are some... Because I don't think we... I don't remember if we got to talk about Lunar New Year's or not, but it's happening. And essentially all it is is Dragon Ball has returned, which is actually a pretty fun mini game. If you haven't played it, it's very... You're going to die a lot, but you're also going to kill other people a lot, which is... I don't know. I always feel use so bad when I die. Use your dodge is what I have to say. Just yeah, use okay. your dodge. <laughs> use I get the dodge, sad inside Luke. because so many people don't dodge. I'm like, the dodge jail has to come back if this keeps up. Dodge is a thing, people. Well, yeah. here's the thing. They either don't use it, or they don't use it, like, properly at all. They, like, try to dodge the one, like, the one skills, and I'm just like, if you see someone flying at you with their foot in the air, that's when you're supposed to dodge! Yeah, I see people that don't ever even use it, and I'm like, I bet they don't know it exists, and uh, bring bring the daily dodge back. I, I keep I keep just looking over to my wife's computer when she's playing, and I keep saying to myself... Where are you? I don't recognize this place at all. And then I watch for a few more seconds and realize it's Dragon Ball. I don't actually really play Dragon Ball in Guild Wars 2, so I'm always like amazed by what I'm looking at over there. I'm it's the filthy casual. A... <laughs> it's actually a pretty a pretty fun mini game and I, don't, I a lot of people this is their first time being able to play it because it was only available during the very first Dragon Bash. First and only, actually, Dragon Bash, which was in the summer of the first year Guild Wars was out. So it was a... There it, there are some problems with it, but overall it's a generally fun minigame in which you have to go around and pick up um, little power-ups that give you different skills, and then 
the longer you're up, the more powerful you get essentially, but it's really easy to die because you only have, I think like a hundred health and then each skill, like each auto attack takes up 15 and the other ones have a little bit higher. So I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty enjoyable, really fast paced, fun mini game. That's yeah, it's fun. It's the first time that I've uh, been able to play it. Cause I didn't play it last time. Yeah. But I mean, I... go ahead. The, the downside to it is it's it's kind of the entire festival. It's like that and buying envelopes, which are profitable. Don't get me wrong, and I do enjoy opening them every day, but it's not really a festival. Well, oh, I was going to say, here's, that's my pro tip, is you can earn three and a half gold a day for doing nothing more than spending 16 gold to buy envelopes and then immediately selling them for a profit on the trading post. Da-da-da! My pro tip, though, it probably will, you won't be able to do it once the podcast is out because Lunar may be over with, is get those envelopes, then open them after you're done on a vine raft because you've got super magic vine. I made seven gold off of, what, 40 envelopes the other day? Just from the junk that came out of it, I made more gold than I spent. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just log in at daily and do and get like three and a half gold a day just automatically. So that's, that's been pretty nice. It's been a pretty nice two weeks for me. Yeah, I've I've actually been opening them just because I like to open stuff. I don't need money right now, but I like to open stuff and get all the magic. I've gone up like five or six percent magic find just from those envelopes. And That's cool. I'm in the mid thirties, I think. One one thirty for magic find. Oh, so you and um, I are right about the same spot. I'm right. Like, yeah. I'm, I think I just hit one thirty or or so. Yeah. I actually got really lucky yesterday. I got two of the exotic backpacks and a one of the valuable things. I made about 25 gold off my envelopes yesterday. Nice. Nice. Well, unless anybody else has anything else to say about that, I feel like that's probably enough. Especially because, yeah. as Rabin so aptly pointed out, it's probably going to be gone by the time this podcast hits. Or about yeah. to be. Actually, that's a, that's a thing worth mentioning. It, it may be too late by the time this podcast is out, but... The Access to Living Story 8, Episode 8, ends on the 24th, which is this week, Tuesday. So if you don't log in by then, you'll have to pay for it, which is also interesting, because they tend to only end when there's a patch that brings something new into the game, but they haven't told us anything about anything new coming into the game. Disability changes are coming live. It's happening. Oh, God. Well, uh, I believe we do have a precedent before, though, with Season 1, where it was about a month after it came out that was the cutoff date. Well, no, where it went away, I guess, is what I should say, which is sort of not quite the same thing. But I feel like we sort of had a precedent with not a major patch coming out, but still the Living Story chapter going away in Season 2. Well, I could be wrong, but... Mm, I think because the end of Season 1, the... There was a pretty significant patch. Well, not story, but I mean, it was the feature, the feature patch, the first one. Yeah, I'm thinking actually after chapter four of season two, like at the midway point. Right. Yep. I mean, maybe okay. we had a feature patch too, but my recollection is that the feature patch after chapter four wasn't that huge compared to the feature patch one. So. Nope. Yep. Whatever. That's absolutely right. It's a good pro tip, though. As as uh, as you said, I'm gonna actually bug one of my friends who's been meaning to go buy the chapters to go at least log in for this one. <sighs> okay, well, since uh, Evie brought up stability, it's not exactly related, but this is Evie's uh, 
Evie's Segway. area of expertise. Yeah, let's let's talk about some stronghold stuff. But I mean, Evie, talk about stronghold stuff. Well, I don't know where to start, really, other than oh my god, new game type <laughs> that they actually showed off before it came out. Um, as far as the actual game type itself, it's it's a weird fusion of like a whole bunch of different ideas kind of blown together, but it it works. Like when people think of GVG, there's like the big team aspect of it, which may or may not be a thing that's kind of up in the air. They said they're testing for 5v5s, but they're open to, like, feedback from beta and whatnot. Um, they're looking up to 10. I would be really surprised if they stick with 5, though, because with a big map like that and just the way it works, I'm expecting it to be more around 8. Didn't they say something about it being in the normal map rotation, though? Yes. Yeah. Which oh, would God. be a problem if it was greater than 5v5. Yes, that would be a problem. The thing is, I I really hope that they don't end up doing that because there's just so many issues that would come about because of it. And the feedback, quote, they've gotten about that particular bit has been overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. So, I I highly doubt they're going to go through with it. I I agree. I really hope that they make it its its own thing. I mean, it's yeah. It, it just doesn't. To me, it just doesn't fit at all. It's if it's supposed to truly be as different as you know as it is and as it looks like it's going to be, then it just it needs to have. It its just own doesn't make sense. And yeah. The, yeah. The there's already kind of a problem with this with Courtyard being in the queue because Courtyard is a PvP map that, unlike every other map in in Guild Wars right now, has no cap points. It's just a deathmatch map. So everyone with these builds for cap point maps ends up in deathmatch against people who want to play deathmatch and have these the builds for deathmatch and they don't necessarily mat up. And if you add a third game type into that mix, a lot of people are going to queue with builds that really aren't appropriate for two thirds of the of, like available game types, right? Yeah. So it would. I really hope they don't do that. It's a mess already, yeah. and it would just be more of a mess. I I really think they need to separate out the three maps completely at this yep. point because courtyard I can kind of understand being in the map rotation. Because, like, the systems are kind of similar, even though there's no cap points. But Stronghold is so ridiculously different from Conquest that you could literally be useless in one or the other, depending on which build you have. Yeah, I think it really, I think it really would water down the excitement for the game mode if it was stuck in with the same into the queue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- there's that, and there are going to be people that only want to play Stronghold, right? And just like there are going to be people that only want to play Conquest, mm-hmm. and forcing them to play either or the other because of the way of the rotation is not how you get people to play different game modes. That so, just creates bitterness. <laughs> pretend that I haven't paid any attention to the Stronghold announcements because I'm not a PvP player, and explain to me how the game plays. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I've actually I've actually been watching this because I'm I'm intrigued by the prospect of Stronghold as well, despite the fact that I also do not play much PvP. Um, so the the premise is you want to get into the other the other team's keep and kill their keep lord. There are two lanes, a top and a bottom lane, essentially. One is offense, one is defense. So there's there's your outgoing NPCs in one lane and the enemy's incoming NPCs in the, in the other. Um, there are two doors that you have to breach to get to the Keep Lord, and the NPCs aid you in, in doing that in different ways. Um, so you recruit NPCs by sending supply, and there's a central supply point in the middle of the map, which is... Um, covered by two trebuchets and it's right between both lanes so it'll be a really uh for lack of a better word high highly con- i was gonna say high traffic area but highly contested area might be a better way of phrasing that mm-hmm. um so you spend these supply on different types of npcs uh there are door busters which are little script that have bombs uh, and they are especially geared to take down the doors and then there are also Archers. It should be noted that that's the only way to take down the doors. Yes. Players cannot damage the doors. Right. Mm, um, that's interesting. So there are also archers which are specialized to take out other NPCs. And once killed, any NPCs in the map do not respond. So pushing on another, like the enemy base, can really mess with what they're doing because if you kill their their base NPCs they do not respond so if you make an unsuccessful push for their lord then next time it's going to have a lot higher chance of success um let's see oh there's another type actually I really wanted to talk about these because they look really cool there's a third type of NPC called a hero um you get a 30 second warning and there's a few different spots on the map where they can spawn but like the mists begin to swirl, and then you can do a 10-second channel <laughs> to summon an uber NPC. But they're so fun to watch, and I, I've only seen this on Ready Up. Uh, one of the, the, the like theming of the map is knights versus pirates, and they summoned a, awesome. a pirate hero who had a... It was a giant, 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 giant Norn who had a cannon... But he used the cannon as a hammer, so he would heft it off his shoulder, crush the NPC in front of them, pick it up, and then shoot at the door. Which was just amazing to watch, and I hope to God, uh, now that we've seen that the Revenant has a ranged hammer, that that comes as a hammer skin. I would pay many, many mucho dollars to have that hammer skin. It's like the, it's like the anchor hammer skin. I love that skin on my warrior. I yeah. love, I love those skins that are, like, not this is not actually... supposed to be a weapon. Yeah, or like, I mean, in the camp... Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah, I, I think those are really fun skins. Yeah. Yeah, so in addition to being really cool to watch, the heroes also provide a 50% uh, damage reduction to all allies within range. Wow. And they're super strong against um, NPCs and Keep Lords in particular. They also have like a like an uber... Like the, like the Guardian... Tome 5, smash, burn, everything, attack. Um, so it's really, it will be really cool to watch those um, pushing the keeps. Because they're really pushing, one of the things um, they're really pushing on Ready Up is, or well, they were talking about pushing on Ready Up is a really exciting endgame. And 
so one of the ways they're doing that in he- is heroes, and then the other one, another way that they're doing it is the Keep Lord actually has a down state. So you have to finish the Keep Lord to to finish the game, um, but he can rally off players. So if you down their Keep Lord, but then the other team downs you, then the Keep Lord can actually rally and they can push you out. That's which, pretty cool. So, yeah, Unless you've it got seems five really elementalists cool. with meter sharp. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't remember if he lost storm. health or not, or if you actually had to to finish him. Um, but I'm really. I think it will be a lot more, a lot more interesting to watch, um, just in general, than conquest. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm worried about with all this emphasis on epic endgame is if these mechanics are going to sort of draw out a match. Because that's a problem that you see sometimes with, like, lol, is something that could potentially take 15, 20 minutes lasts an hour, because just all the mechanics are there for just to keep going and going and going and going and going. That's a good point, Um, Yeah, I can't speak to that. I know they they really are aiming for, uh, like, a 15-minute game type, because they do want to put it in in the queue, and I, with the other stuff... And they want it to be roughly even in length, um, which I'm not sure is the right reason to want it to be that short. But I, they are definitely pushing for it to be a shorter game type. So hopefully we won't see super dragged out matches like that. Yeah, I mean, depending on how they do the mechanics, those types of mechanics can go either way. Because mm-hmm. having having played League of Legends, like some of those things, like you said, it definitely can draw out. At the same time, you can make mechanics like that that are sort of like um that they sort of build that that pressure wave where like once you get it it sort of finishes the game you know it gives you that huge push that you can do to just like close out a game that would otherwise be a stalemate um you know kind of like getting baron towards the end of the game in law which like, can lose it for you as well because they could snipe baron from you or you could die after being weakened from baron so it'll be interesting if it's the same type of dynamic where it's a risk to get that thing that lets you smash yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I I like that. I also wanted to make a comment that I think it was really smart of them to make it so that players can't damage the doors because uh, I think otherwise you might get into a situation of well a couple situations. One of having inexperienced players do PV door. Um, Two and experienced players do stealth first door. Well, and yeah, and ignoring the mechanic. Like, I, I think that they don't want to ignore this this idea of like the supply and the NPCs that you hire, and like keeping them alive and all that stuff. And I think that oh. it's smart of them to make it so that you have to use them. Yeah, kind of in that same vein. Um, one thing I wanted, I really wanted to mention and forgot was that um, they also really want to keep the focus on player versus player, so it's not always players versus NPCs. I mean, you can you can take them out, but the the NPCs will, I believe, all exclusively, except for the ones defending your keep, um, only attack other NPCs. So there is fighting going on, but the, the emphasis is primarily going to be on fighting other players, not NPCs. Yeah, well, it sounds like it'll be fighting other players so that you can kill their NPCs. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? That sounds fair. That's- yeah. That's interesting because with the way the doorbusters are, you're gonna want to take them out like as soon as they spawn. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. that was actually... Sorry, I was no, going to talk about... They, um, they posted a, a blog post about it with some like, suggested roles, because an- another advantage to the Stronghold game type is they found with, with Conquest that there were a lot of roles that popped up that were the same, because you were doing the same thing in three different spots on the map. Whereas in Stronghold, there's a lot more opportunity for specialization. So one of the things I talked about is NPC escorters that either help them through swiftness or could completely stealth an NPC from one gate to another. So they they were actually pretty excited about the potential of perma-stealth thieves on Ready Up, which was strange. Well, but that's the thing is like a perma-stealth thief as a support. Like that is a lot more interesting than a right. you know what I mean than a perma stealth thief as like a hit and run and be obnoxious as crap. Yeah. Um, well, even a perma stealth thief in the the way you mentioned would still be particularly strong against NPCs. Like those doorbusters, a, a stealthy NPC could just backstab the crap out of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. They that's have, true. They have real low health too. The the doorbusters are very squishy. Yeah, and I I really like that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't play GVG very much in Guild Wars 1 because, like I said, I'm not much of a... I'm a PvP player in certain genres, but not in others. But I loved how GVG had so many different, like, sub-roles, you know, like flag runners and, you know, like, support. And, yeah, I mean, there there were there were more dedicated special roles that had a place in that game mode, which I thought was a really cool... I thought that was really cool in Guild Wars 1, so I'm really hopeful that we see as you said, a little bit more build diversity and role diversity and build specialization than just, you know, bunker or DPS. Yeah, and on that note, I'm really interested to see how taunt works out with these NPCs, because if you can taunt those doorbusters and they blow up on you instead of the door, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about taunt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right into the revenue, I guess. Yeah, well, someone else can talk about it since I talked a lot about things. Otherwise, I'll talk about conditions because I'm also really excited about this. It's just like a great couple weeks for me. Oh, go ahead, Spirit. Why don't you just lead it off? Um, so we got a lot of information about the Revenant this week, but it came with uh, actually kind of sneakily snuck in at the end of an article um, that there's going to be a few new conditions and boons um, coming in. On the Revenant, but also on on previous spe- um, specializations and existing classes, um, one of which is Taunt, which is essentially the opposite of Fear. Uh, it forces the enemy to run at you and auto-attack. So, um, I don't know, do you want me to talk through all the conditions and then we can talk about them all together, or do you want to talk about Taunt? Let's talk about each condition individually, because it'll be easier to sort of have our detailed conversation all, mm-hmm. like, on each one than it will be to go back and then sort of retroactively discuss each of their pros and cons or whatever. Cool. Um, I mean, I am generally uh, somebody that does not like taunt in just general terms. I don't... It's a condition that annoys me. Um, well... It annoys me in other games because I think it's sort of silly, and I hate to say immersion breaking, but it's always been sort of immersion breaking to have it like <laughs> to have something that like forces somebody to attack the person that it's probably the worst idea to attack. I've always thought is kind of dumb. However, mm-hmm. uh, 
I think that in Guild Wars 2, it will be okay, because it's more, as you said, it's more like a counterpart to fear than it is a true aggro control system, because it's like fear, almost certainly only going to last a couple seconds tops, and it's not going to... I don't think, unless they're making substantial aggro control changes that we don't know about, it's not going to have a like hate management system like there are in other games, which I right. don't really like. I understand that a lot of people like that for sort of quote-unquote deep, deep hardcore dynamic play, but it just it's that kind of a system's always bothered me, and I think that was always more of what my issue was than with taunt specifically as a mechanic. So. I think it'll be okay. I I I don't totally hate it. I think it'll be okay. I love it for PvP. In PvE, we're kind of in the thing of, like, all CC is basically useless anyway. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm hoping... I'm really hoping that the... A lot of their changes center around what CC... I think, let me rephrase, the with Heart of Thorns, I'm almost 100% certain that the way we view crowd control is going to change drastically based on... Is that on, because of the Defiance change? Yeah, but also because of stability and just, just generally across the game, mm-hmm. CC is going to take on a very different role in Heart of Thorns than it ever has before in Guild Wars. Um, Which... Do we want to talk more about Taunt, or do we want to segue that into stability change? Because that's I was a good just going to say super quick. We we can talk about stability, but I was just going to say super quick that I really like the idea of putting retaliation on myself, loading up my enemy with confusion, and then taunting them and watching them murder themselves on me while I laugh. But anyway, <laughs> stability also getting a change. Um, so currently, the way stability works is when when it's on you, you are immune to all all crowd control and the only way to get it off is for it to fall off after the duration expires or a boon removal. But they're changing that so that when you use a, a skill that gives stability, it will stack in intensity or not not in intensity, but it'll stack like might, for example. And each time you're CC'd, it will take a stack off. And there's they're obviously going to be going back and, and rebalancing you know, existing stability skills so that some some apply it, you know, gradually over time, some are bursty stability skills with a short duration. Um but yeah, what do you what do you guys think about that? I love this change. It makes stability more of a reactionary, like, oh shit button than a blanket, oh hey, I need to do this thing, so I'm gonna put stability on myself for the next twelve seconds. So that I don't have to worry about any like any CC. Yeah, I it, yeah I agree with that. It emphasizes team coordination more as well, because mm-hmm. if there's a warrior that is about to blow up his adrenaline or whatever bar, who knows if that's going to change with specializations? <laughs> and he pops five stacks of stability, but you really want to CC this dude because he has 24k health and you're not going to be able to kill him in two seconds. Your team has to coordinate to get rid of all those stacks and be able to actually get like CC him and control this rampaging machine of blah 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically is turning 
stability into Defiant in terms of like how it's going mm-hmm. to work. Right, actually, yeah, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, except it doesn't refill like Defiant does, but yeah, it's it's effectively going to work that way. How do you how do you feel about this change, Rabin? You didn't uh, get a chance to pipe in on the previous. I don't know. You even knows a lot more about PvP than me, well, but I like how this is going to affect Defiance when we're fighting champions and dungeons and stuff. Yeah, I but... see. It'll be interesting to see how the Defiance changes as well mm-hmm. because there was something. I don't believe they actually officially said it, but people scouted it on the Points of Interest stream about Defiant acting differently. Well, there was... They they made a boo-boo, sort of. And they actually clicked on the target, uh, like, to see the target frame of the Wyvern twice. And there's, like, this bar under the target. And it gradually goes up over time. It's it's very subtle, but it's there. And I really think that's, that is Defiant. Yeah, hmm. um, people were speculating that it it refills over time and then you, you burst CC it to get it down to, to zero. So you, you get everyone around you to coordinate their CCs, burst it down to zero, and then he's vulnerable. That, that's the speculation, I think. But what, what I really wanted to ask was um, how you think stability is going to change Zerg engagements, Rabin, because you, you do the world with General Strike. And uh, a lot of these changes um, with, you know, the the new boons and conditions, which we we haven't talked about all of them yet, um, but also the revenant skills. It actually might be better to wait until we've talked about everything because I, I think but yeah, the way it's going to completely change the way um, coordinated guild groups um, engage because like, yeah. it's like Evie said with the instead of just you know popping your stability so you can get through this stuff, it's going to be more reactionary because that's how. Um, guild groups usually do it. It's like, okay, we're about to engage, everyone pops ability, that way we can get through this stuff, and no one can push us around, mm-hmm. and we do what we do. But if it's more reactionary, instead of I have stability for seven seconds, that's going to change all of the coordinated fighting in World v. World. One of the things, and this is slightly slightly off topic, but one of the things I got really excited about was seeing um, one of the Revenant skills, you leap to an area, and when you hit that area, you shadow step all enemies away from you. And I think that's going to be really interesting in, to use the I word, I say interesting a lot. Um, I'm just happy that that particular area isn't as big as a capture point. Right. <laughs> but, but for spreading out, if, if you've got a couple revenants leaping in and doing that into an enemy zerg, it's really, I think we're going to see a change in these really stacked tight, stacked tight, well, the idea will be to start stack tight, but I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a lot easier to spread out, and the fights are gonna be more complicated because there's gonna be things like taunt and the stability changes, and the revenant being able to teleport stuff away, and um, with the stability changes, things like line of warding and the warding circles becoming more prominent. I, yeah, I am excited about what that will do to to large Zerg engagements in, in Wolfie World. And speaking of Taunt and Wolfie World, I have to wonder if Taunt is going to interrupt any current skills that are being cast, like say... It has to. Uh, if it's gonna, It has to work like Fear, I think. I can't imagine it not working like Fear. Okay. If that's the case, like channeling Elementalists, like the ones that sit in the back and constantly do Meteor Shower or something, that's gonna be like a key thing with Taunt. 
Well, the, the, real, the real question on that is the range of taunt. Mm-hmm. Like, necromancers can fear from a really long ways away, but I have to imagine that revenants and other classes that gain taunt won't be able to taunt from nearly the distance well, that... Well, they showed one of the revenant skills, the forced engagement thing, the chain. That mm-hmm. has a pretty long uh, range, because they used it with a hammer. Oh, does that have a taunt attached to it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I must have missed that detail. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. But anyway, b- before we get on the revenant too heavily, there's a couple other things that really bear talking about, which I mean, but, will also have an impact. Go yeah, ahead. I was about to say where now that we're talking about nerfing stability so that it's not just a uh, cure all, get out of jail free card with one hand they giveth and one hand they taketh away, they are adding <laughs> a new condition or a boon rather that makes you immune to all conditions while you have it on you. Yes resistance. and no, because, yeah, resistance is, is the name of the boon. It, you are immune to the effects of conditions, but you are not immune to conditions, so they will still pile on you, and the second that resistance falls off due to boon stripping or duration, you will be direly hurt by those conditions. Yeah, but you you'll be, be but it's not like it catches back up, and it's not like it pauses the timer on the conditions, so it's also entirely conceivable, especially in the world v. world context, that you can just stack, stack resistance, resistance enough <laughs> to completely nullify the conditions for their duration, or at least enough of them. I have a like, feeling... Or, go ahead. I, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, because it's not like condition removal is going away. It just gives you more time to get your conditions removed while you're not taking the effects from them. I have a feeling that first, like, when the Revenant, when Hot first hits, and the Revenant's kind of just going out there and they introduce new runes, which obviously there's going to be a rune set that focuses on resistance. There's going to be a build for Revenants that focuses on keeping up resistance and using Maliks. Mm-hmm. And they are going to completely blow themselves up with conditions, run into Zergs, and pop their elite. And yeah. people are gonna hate it. Yeah. Maliks is a person. form that the Revenant has that is more powerful, more conditions that he has on them, on himself. Yeah. Let's uh let's uh keep it still to the to the boons. There's uh, you're all right on the revenant, but we have so much to talk about with the revenant too. Let's uh let's just make sure we finish off through all the boons and all that stuff. There were was there another one still too? Oh yeah, there was. Yeah. Right? It's slow. Um, yeah. So slow is. Chronomancer confirmed. A... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, slow is kind of the opposite of quickness. So it's a fifty percent attack speed and I think movement reduction. I have it written down, but I think I wrote that. It's animation speed reduction to be exact. I don't think it's movement, though, because quickness doesn't affect your movement. I think (laughs) slow is the direct opposite of quickness. Yeah. Okay. So it's a a 50% attack animation slow. Um, And I know there was... Because I remember people talking about um, being confusing about how chill and cripple interact with slowing down your character. I'll look this up. I'll get a confirmation on this. Um, But at least the difference between slow and chill is that chill increases the the time for your skill to recharge, while slow increases the time for your skill to activate. Right. So that's the difference there. Right. And so together, I think they're going to be really annoying in combo. (laughs) Incredibly, and I'm so excited to use them. Yeah. 
Um, I I like slow or slow. Yeah, I think I think it's a perfectly logical and reasonable thing to have. Like that's. I'm really interested in seeing how it plays out in PVE more than PVP because in PVP it's going to be pretty straightforward how it's actually going to play out. It's going to give you more time to react to enemies, blah 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 blah. But in PVE, it can be kind of intense. Like imagine, say. Uh, Crucible Eternity, that boss that does the spiky things you have to dodge roll. That's the only boss in Crucible Eternity. Subject Alpha. Subject Alpha. <laughs> like, imagine that fight, but those spikes take 50% longer to actually come up. There'd be a lot of dead people at stack in the corner. Like, and depending on if it has slow or not, the time's not always going to be the same. Yeah, so, right. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how the dynamic of that actually plays out, because that could actually be a detriment to some people. Because you've learned this timing, and now you have to exactly. Like, know yeah, I was just going to say that that's that's a really interesting uh, side effect, like you said. To you know, I wonder if we're going to have dungeons saying you know like no slowness because it like hurts it hurts your timing more than it helps your survivability or whatever that's a really interesting thought i hadn't really considered that so okay let's talk about the revenant i know everybody wants to talk about the revenant <laughs> yes all right go ahead spirit just just kick it off um oh gosh i don't know where to start well ritlock's back from the mists that is, is true um i guess the hmm where actually do i start so okay, no. Let's start with the the profession mechanic. What makes the revenant unique or not so unique? Because I know not so unique. <laughs> Revan has a gripe with how they're describing it, which cracks me up. So it's the ninth profession added to Guild Wars Two. It is, but it's not new, is it, Robin? No, it's it's. They got all these things that they put in, and the article, and I, I just laughed while reading it because they, there's all these things they say are new and unique. And it's like, no, this is this is Guild Wars one. This is a this is a dervish people. Okay, ho- hold on. Before you go into that, was it specifically ArenaNet saying that it's new, or the people writing the article? No, this is the um, article Revenant Master of the Mist that was put on the website on the Guild Wars two website on the eighteenth. Oh, okay. And this article is I I checked it. It's twenty one hundred words right out there. The words new and unique are in there a combination of twenty two times. Holy crap. <laughs> and they're calling things like energy bars and pips that we had from Guild Wars 1 new and unique. I'm like, no, guys. No, no. This is from Guild Wars 1. Well, they're new it's, and unique in Guild new, Wars 2. That's they're exactly what I was going to say. It's funny. No, I think it's it, funny. it is pretty funny. Go on. Tell us more about the, the class, Spirit. Um, so so the, if by some chance you have not heard what these do, um, the Revenant channels legends from from the mist, the people of great importance in past Tyria. Um, so the two examples we've seen so far are Jealous Ironhammer and Malix. Uh, Jealous Ironhammer was a dwarf lord, king. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what his title was. Uh, and he's a very <laughs> a tanky brawler kind of set. And Malix deals with condition management, which isn't necessarily um, as well, we, we more kind of condition mentioned before. manipulation. 
Yeah, so it Malx is unique in that you load yourself up with conditions to deal more damage with conditions. So hopefully uh, conditions don't get as bad a rap in Heart of Thorns as they have in the past because I'm looking forward to messing with that. Which is kind of cool because it's true to what Malix was. I mean, conditions, you couldn't use conditions on Malix in Guild Wars 1 in a traditional way. So I think it's cool they're going to work that in with the lore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, something that I think is interesting that we're sort of observing, and of course we don't have the full sample, we just have the two that we've seen, but I think a lot of people are feeling like the Revenant sort of feels almost like it is switching between different existing professions for what its legends do, in a sense. Like, Mal- or, uh, Jalus seems very Guardian-y, you know, to me. Mm. And Malix is very Necromancer-y because they even, in the stream and such, are describing all of the Malix skills as effectively necromancer corruption skills, where you give yourself a condition to do something to your enemies, and that you're all about condition manipulation. And condition manipulation is one of the only things that necromancers have that are truly their own unique yeah. thing. Like, other classes can remove conditions, and most or every class can cause conditions but necromancers are one of the only classes that actually can manipulate them and so malix is a very necromancery feel uh and yeah i i think that's a really interesting place to put this profession and yeah i don't know also i'm gonna say i'm a little bit salty that they get a torment auto attack chain that's basically the scepter auto attack chain for necromancers but torment's a better condition <laughs> but that's okay yeah whatever even though even though yeah, they're using it's, something that's it's on the axe which is it's range on the on mace, mace yeah which is close range yeah. it is but still just saying <laughs> the legendary stances though to me, seem like channeling the gods. So it's like a dervish. It is a dervish. It's a dervish that channels legendary characters instead of gods. But yeah, but it it's have, cool. It doesn't have the like speed of a dervish. If the you what, want, if you will, like flash enchantments. Those are a thing, and I like. We haven't really seen something come back with that. It doesn't have the dervish 2.0 feeling. That's definitely true. That's actually um, kind of a good segue because we are we already kind of mocked the um, the way they were talking about everything being new. But as I was going through um, listening listening to points of interest and and reading about the revenant skills, I I I was listening because they kept saying we've got this oh we've got this new tech that lets us do this skill we've got this new tech um, one of which is is upkeep skills which very much um not new. related to the dervish in guild wars 2 they kind of are isn't it more related to prop monks like they didn't dervishes didn't have upkeeps did they a lot yeah, of some. a lot of the professions had upkeeps like assassins had it elementalists had it i mean it, it was all over the place if you're I, yeah. if you're a uh, mesmer trying to be your monk you had it which is just a bad idea don't monk for your <laughs> team as a mesmer <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's fair, but it, it's something that in in my mind I associated with um, 
dervishes is managing my enchantments. I didn't I didn't play dervish extensively, so you you can take that as you will. Flash but, enchantments were fun, and I never did that much with dervish either. But the opposite of that was like hexes and cover hexes, and I liked that in Guild Wars one. And mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see something like that come back. Maybe that Malix will do that for us a little bit, but I don't know. Well, I, the thing the thing with the the dervish's flash enchantments, which again I'll remind people were not originally part of the class. Um, the the idea of the flash enchantments there was to some extent that idea of cover enchanting, but it was more of having an ebb and a flow because you got an effect when they started and when they ended, mm-hmm. and so it was there was there was a very unique feeling to playing the dervish with knowing when to start and strip them because the ba- a big part of the flash enchantment builds was having skills that stripped your own boons from you or enchantments to give you bonuses which then synergized as well with the fact that they gave you bonuses when they ended on their own. So it was a very... Uh, I mean, ebb and flow is the only really way that I can describe it adequately, but it was it had a very unique feeling in Guild Wars 1. I played I played a lot of Dervish, just as, a, as an aside, but um, yeah, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting things that are going on with Revenant, but I do really like what you said, Spirit, about bringing up the new tech, because we are seeing that a lot with the Revenant and with Heart of Thorns in general. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm really hoping that they put some of this new tech into existing professions and all that kind of stuff, because a lot of the new tech is really interesting. Well, they said oh, they we see this would. in specializations. They said that they would, uh, and that it's probably going to be in specializations, but I actually kind of want to see them go back into the older skills, like yes. core stuff, and put yeah. new tech into that. Yes. Agreed. I'm totally on board with that. That's actually that was exactly what I was going to say. I wouldn't expect um, a widespread re- retuning of old skills with new mechanics but i would imagine that there's probably a few that sort of were just kind of cobbled together with an effect that they was a close approximation so i would mm-hmm. expect a few to sort of get some of the new tech i think we're obviously i mean as they already said that we're they were obviously going to see some propagation of these new conditions and boons um to old old professions and the rebalancing of stability you know, is going to hit everybody that has stability, which is not me because really I'm a necromancer. Hope that because of the way that they've changed stability, that these get a ton of access to it. Because it's very reactive now. Yeah. And the trade off will be that these won't, won't have that much resistance. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. What, who wants to talk about anything next? There's so much stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, um, speaking of new old things, energy is back. Yeah. Yep. So the, I think maybe the closest approximation in Guild Wars right now is is initiative on the thief, um, where it's it's a pool of it's a pool of a resource that you can draw from and and you're dependent upon having enough of that resource to use your skills, not cooldown, mm-hmm. or to keep um, a boon going. Is that what right. you're them boons? Mm-hmm. The the biggest difference between energy and initiative that with initiative it replaces cooldowns with energy it's sort of another resource that has to be managed but there's still cooldowns yeah it's much more reminiscent of guild wars one right um do we know i think i think it was mentioned maybe you guys know better than me uh so there 
weapon skills take energy, but their utility skills change more energy. Actually, that's something mm-hmm. worth mentioning. The unlike any other any other profession in Guild Wars, the profession mechanic changes the back half of your skill bar. So if you're channeling Jalus, your heal skill, your three utilities, and your elite are going to be different than if you're channeling Malix. Um, that's where the dance is going to come in. Not your weapon skills will always be the same, or it's not, it's not like like equipping an NG kit where your your weapon skills change. It's it's the back half of your bar. Um, there was a point that I was going to segue into, but well, with I don't that, what it was. Um, I believe I've heard that uh, Revenant will not get weapon swapping, much like Elementalist or Engineer. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because they can swap between you can swap between two legends on the fly, and then I believe we we we've only seen two <clears throat> legends, so we haven't seen. You can, how many other ones are going to be available, but presumably you can easily swap between them out of combat like any I'm other. I'm hoping we get Togo. Yeah, there's... When you look at it on the up or not up points of interest, there's the arrows above the two legends where you equip them just like any other slot. And <clears throat> considering the trait lines, two of them are dedicated each to a legend. There's going to be at least two more legends. Yeah. One of which I highly speculate is Glint. Yep, there's been but a lot just... of No, that that's that's really really fair. A lot of the the revenant art has been of a dragon which we all can pretty much pretty safely say is Glint and they haven't talked about it specifically, but we're getting a lot of art with the dragon on it, so I mean there's I'm really sure only two it. dragons in Guild Wars 1 and the other one looks nothing like Glint. Yep. Which makes me wonder, what role is Glint going to be? Because, jeez. She's going to plant know. an egg and then sit there and be completely obnoxious. Yes. Um, I'm still holding out for Togo, because if when you change your legend, and then that changes your dance, the Napoleon Dynamite dance will be back in the game. Yes. Oh, God. I, uh, I remember! Oh, I remember! Um, there, like you said, Evie, there was, there's the, the trait lines do very much fit into uh, specific legends, but I hope that there are some hybrid ones because I, I want I want to build the most hybrid of hybrid revenants that can do everything. But that's just me because I, I I don't want um, say if you're if you want to play a Malix revenant, I don't want you to only ever trait into the conditions that may not be the example like. Because if you are Malix, you are going to want to trade into the conditions line, but I don't want every every legend to be associated with only one trait line, and if you don't have that trait line, then that that legend is useless. I think that, that I'm, I'm does really a lot hoping... to harm the, the <clears throat> viability, not viability, but um, versatility, there we go, of the class. I'm really hoping that <clears throat> each trait line covers two legends, and that there's actually at least eight of them. And the two that are in each trait line are different enough where it it feels like you're actually switching like the aspect of your play whenever you switch from one legend to another. Mm. But they're still effective. They synergize with each other effectively. So just as something I'm hoping for, Maddox, just as an example you were giving, is about condition manipulation. I'd really like to see the other side of the corruption tree to be manipulation of boons. 
where it's all about stripping boons and doing more damage if your enemy has more boons. And that's what I was actually thinking Glint might be. And then you could be a master condition manipulator if you had both Glint and Malix as your equipped legends. Condition slash boon. Exactly. That'd be pretty cool. Yep, I'm on board. And say, with Jalice, the other one could be Rurik, and Jalice is more self-protection and um, uh, defensive uh, support, whereas Rurik could be lowering the enemy's uh, offenses while increasing your allies' offenses. Sort of that whole rallying cry thing that I think would fit Rurik. Mm. Speaking of traits, actually, the in in points of interest, they if you haven't watched points of interest for a long time, I actually highly recommend watching the Revenant episode because the the devs had a lot of there was a lot of information in in, in that episode. <laughs> There's like it was a fifteen minute span where Ruby was just like, I can't stop them now. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So watching watching John Peters and Roy. What was his last name? I don't know, but they they were obviously very very passionate about it, and it was fun to watch them have fun telling us about it. Honestly, there's very few things that I enjoy more than listening to people talk about things that they're passionate about. So that was great for me. But what I was actually going to say before I took that roundabout detour is that we they moused over all the traits so that. Um, and I, I don't want to go through all the traits. There's just absolutely, you know, no way we could do that in a timely manner. Uh, but the the three trait lines are out there for you to look at. I'll leave a link in the in the show notes as I always do. Um, they they seem fairly. There's a couple very revenanty ones, but they seem fairly standard. There was one that they talked about in the stream that I found really interesting, where you one of the minor traits in the profession-specific line uh, creates globes when you, you spend energy, and then when you swap legends, it pulls all those those globes in and they refill your energy bar. So, in a sense, that's something we haven't seen where you're creating pickups. It, it's actually like almost like an, an, an engineer medkit that happens passively. Um. Hmm. They didn't mention this in the stream, but from reading that particular trait, those globes, they float around your character, and if they hit an ally, it actually heals them. Oh, dude. Cool. So that's a very interesting way to introduce support, because it's it's mobile support. Because, like, you literally heal someone by having this globe that's summoned, and then you just, like, run into them with it. <laughs> this is like that's almost, I'll help you. <laughs> that's almost as good as games where you shoot people to heal them. I really enjoy the, I enjoy that a lot. Um, but also, there we have three trait lines, but also we we only have three trait lines. So there are two that are not revealed. Um, a lot of the times they talk about it not being done and I think a lot of people are worried that that means that Heart of Thorns is a really long way off but I tend to interpret it more as the it's stuff that's not in a state to be shown not that it doesn't exist 
Mm-hmm. And I, I've noticed some just some people getting upset about it. they they actually said in points of interest, hey, we actually do have a lot more. This is just what we're ready to show at PAX. Uh, so the the stuff we saw in Ready Up, the stuff we saw this week is what's ready to be demoed, and the rest is coming. Actually, closed beta. Ruby said during points of interest. I think I got points of interest and Ready Up confused again. Um, but yeah, during points of interest, she said that closed beta is starting very soon after PAX. We knew that already, but that will have more stuff than we are seeing at PAX. It's it's not not done. It's just not ready. <laughs> It's just not, yeah, it's not ready to show. And I and, think I think with regard also to that, with being ready to show something or not, uh, I mean, everybody, everybody, you know, feels like it's so kind of scandalous, or not really scandalous, but just like kind of amazing, I guess, that we got to see some of these things that were quote-unquote slip-ups from John and Roy. But, mm. I mean, it's like 99% going to be the pax demo anyway i would assume like Mm -hmm. i mean we're gonna find out in like a week or two so i mean yeah it was neat and it was fun and it was funny but like it's not i'm i'm sure that we're gonna have all this information and more as soon as pax hits so uh you know it's i'm sure nobody's really in trouble as it were at work (laughs) shall we blast through the the weapons that we know about real quick Oh, sure, go ahead. Before you do that, just a point I want to make about the whole, like, when it's ready thing. In it, in the past, granted, I have no idea if this is exactly what they're doing. They tend to have multiple builds of the game running around the office. Mm-hmm. And then, the, like, the demo version. And usually, what they have in the office is, like, four or five versions ahead of what they show anyone. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, it kind of has to be just working in the software industry. Like, mm-hmm. I don't work in the game industry, but I can tell you that if you're gonna build a demo version that you want for clients, you cut it off and you have to fix that demo independent of what's actually going on in the rest of the clients. And like, there may be bugs that because because of the way that merging code works, sometimes it's very difficult to just like fix something in one branch and then just like merge it over to the other one depending on how divergent they've gotten and so it's the type of thing where like you said the demo is its own branch of code like it always you know any any demo of any software is always its own little branch of code that they worked on independent and after that cutoff point it was all bug fixing like whereas the rest of the office just continues working on the actual product um yeah, I mean, and and you see that all the time in console games too. You know, with like their demos, and they talk about how they had to like spend time to make their demo. And a lot of people look at it and they're like, "Well, why don't you just cut it out of the game?" And it's like, "Well, the answer is they did it before the game was done, so they had to like fix things." And yeah, anyway, so yeah, that's that's definitely true as well. So weapons. Yeah, weapons. Um, I'm actually gonna blast through these super quick because they're like everything else there's a lot to talk about we can just talk about it at the end um the the thing that we we've only got three weapons announced slash we've only got three weapons in a show state we know that revenants can use swords we've seen them dual wielding swords in concept art we've seen redlock has a sword they're gonna have swords they're just not ready to show them yet uh what we've seen of the weapons tend to go against what you expect a weapon to be so for the hammer, for example, which is is one of the ones we've seen all skills of, it's 
a ranged weapon that's all about keeping your enemy as far away from you as possible, kind of a longbow or a mesmer greatsword. Mesmer greatsword. Yeah. So the the one attack is a piercing projectile in a line. The two is a cascade that does subsequent attacks out from the character. Three is a ranged snare. Four is a swirling ball of hammers that blocks projectiles and is a dark combo field, which combos with the number one skill, which is a 100% projectile chance. Most most weapons, if you have a combo field on that weapon and the, the auto attack is a projectile, it's only a 20% chance, but the, the revenant hammer is a 100% chance. Uh, and lastly, the, the five skill drops a huge hammer from the sky. It actually kind of reminded me of, if you've ever played League of Legends, like the Garen ultimate where the sword just <laughs> and smashes the guy <laughs> into the ground. It's that, but a hammer. And that's on your weapon, so you can not spam it, but I mean weapon what, like cooldowns aren't that long cooldown? yeah uh, we've, we've also got the mace ready to be shown and that's uh, main hand mace uh, the auto attack is a torment torment poison chain and when you hit the third auto attack the poison part of it it bounces to enemies in a line behind the, the enemy that you're targeting yep the, the second one is a fire field in a line. The third one is a triple blast finisher, which goes in a line. It's a leap and then a three blast finishers, which sends... Actually, let me finish talk, talking about the axe, and then I'll go back. Um, so the axe is, is the offhand paired with the mace. It doesn't have to be, but that that's the way they're demoing it right now. It'll be the, interesting to see if you can use axe main hand. And yeah, I was curious hand. about that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but the... What we've seen so far of Axe is the four skill pierces and chills enemies. Um, you throw... I can't remember, and I'm, I may be describing this wrong, but what I understood is you throw the Axe in a line, and then when it hits the last enemy, you teleport to it and catch the Axe, which sounds awesome. It's just like like Warrior Impale for me just feels so cool as a skill because you throw your sword and then you run up to it and rip it out of an enemy, and that is a very... <laughs> Very visceral. Very exciting. Very, yeah. Visceral is a very good word for it, yeah. Yeah, and I I feel like that axe skill will be sort of the same feeling for me. Speaking of visceral, um, just a quick in, interjection. Mm-hmm. The animation, like the attack animations for these weapons, have really heavy impact compared yes. to pretty much everything else. Like, you feel it yeah. when you look at it. Yeah, they've done a really good job with that, too, from what we can see. Yeah, the so the last skill on the axe was it cuts a rift into the mists, uh, which will eventually collapse and pull enemies in a line. So if you're noticing it, looks here, so cool. There's a lot. Yeah, it does. Um, think <coughs> think Mesmer's temporal rift, but when you trigger it, instead of switching positions of enemies across the line, it pulls them all into the center and lines them up for you. So if you're noticing a trend with everything being in a line, yeah, the the revenant does play really well with positioning your enemies. Who knew the mists were so geometrically sound? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they have tech for skill shots now, so... <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Um, so two, two things that I, I want to say after, you know, going through all that. One, the, the Revenant on paper sounds really overpowered. I think a, a lot of people have been saying that, but I don't I think it will play nice within in the frame of the game. They've learned a lot about balance and stuff since the beginning. Um, and every profession kind of 
before launch sounds really overpowered on paper, but mm-hmm. it, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. it like any game, um, when stuff comes out, almost, no, it's not even almost, there's 100% certainty that there will be builds that are just not right. There are some that are going to be way overpowered um, just because they haven't experienced a live environment, but they'll be fixed. It's just like the the natural life cycle of a game. It'll be fine. I, Don't worry about it. I have a feeling that the Revenant is going to be a lot like when the uh, Rituals came out in Guild Wars 1. So Perhaps. it'll have Signet of Spirits and they'll never nerf it until ever, after everyone stops playing the game? Well, not quite Signet like of Spirits didn't do that for the longest time. Oh, that really? was that was an update. Oh my god, that no. That was the Eye of the North thing. Oh, but what I mean is when when the Rituals came out in Guild Wars 1 and I was playing a little bit of PvP at the time, no one knew what to do and Rituals would just run in and you're like, what is this thing? And it killed everyone. Oh my and god. it's because no one, you know, we didn't know what the skills were, we didn't know how to defend against it. And that's exactly what's going to happen with any new class in uh, a game, especially in PvP. So it's going to get turned on its head and we talked a little bit about how stability um, change is going to change that, which is part of the hot update, we're, we're guessing. Maybe it'll be in before, but who knows? It's totally speculation. But yeah, so it creates new game types, new metas, which I think is interesting. I think Guild Wars 2 is starting to get a little bit stagnant, and it's glad, I'm glad that we can you know have something, something new. I Absolutely. think that the reason that there's this perception that it is overpowered is not so much that the mechanics that they've described sound that overpowered, as much as that they sort of highlight by virtue of their consistency, some irritation points in other classes. So the hundred percent the hundred percent line finisher, projectile finisher is one of those. Like ultimately it's it's um like it's really not that overpowered, but it calls it into your attention when you're a character that has a lot of ranged projectiles that have twenty percent chance. Like it's just annoying. It doesn't really make sense that you only have twenty percent chance and you know, the Revenant just says, oh, well, I just have a 100% chance. I just don't have that annoying mechanic that you have. Or with the Blast Finisher. It's like Blast Finishers for a lot of classes are few and far between. And Revenant says, oh, I've got some Blast, like a triple Blast Finisher on my weapon. And it's like, well, that's annoying. Well, like, it's not, like, honestly, I don't... with them, though, because that 100% projectile chance comes with a much slower attack speed. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Is like I don't the. It's not so much that it sounds overpowered on its own. It's just that it's 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 annoying. Like it doesn't. But like you said, it's. I'm sure it's going to be balanced around things like attack speed and damage numbers and all those things that we don't have any you know knowledge or indication of. But when they highlight the the problems that it doesn't have, if that makes sense. It just, as players of the existing classes, is kind of annoying. Like, uh, you know, I mean, as a necromancer, I feel kind of the same way about the Malik stuff. I'm like, well, gosh, like, having a Torment auto-attack chain with your mace and then being Malik's and being, like, the giant condition spreader kind of annoys me because I... Yeah. It'd be kind of like, oh, hey... We just did this stability change, and they announced a specialization for, like, Warrior. And one of the things that the Warrior gets is, oh, hey, here's this stance that makes you immune to CC for 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. It, so I, I think a lot of these things that are causing this sort of overpowered fear reaction is, 
is more that it's drawing some attention to some pain points rather than that it is actually going to be overpowered. So, and and like Spirit said, you know, obviously there's always going to be something that's a little bit overpowered and it'll get fixed because video games. By the hey, way, but- if that actually happens with the warrior, someone knows me gold. <laughs> But hey, you know, all the classes get a specialization, so I'm sure there'll be overpowered things and them as well need to be fixed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just look at the thieves at launch. Well, not launch, beta. <laughs> I still cry, don't remind me. <laughs> uh, do we want to blitz through the, the legend abilities super quick before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure, I mean, I guess. Okay. Super quick. Jalus, ha- his heal skill removes uh, conditions and you gain con- uh, maybe I shouldn't read because I've apparently lost my ability. You gain retaliation per condition removed. The 7 skill so your your first utility shoots out a chain that taunts and slows. The next skill is an upkeep skill which hammers circle around you that are unblockable. The last utility is a it reminds me of, like, Follow the Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> I will probably be singing that while I'm playing a Jalus, Jalus Revenant because a, a literal road springs up from underneath you and gives you protection or something. It I gives forgot you, to write it, it down. It stacks stability while allies are on it. There you go. Uh, it's it also does damage when field. it comes down, and if allies are on it, it gives them stability pulsing. Right. Uh, the, la- the, the elite... Is, is called Right of the Great Dwarf, and it gives AoE ally protection, and it turns your party to stone, which is <laughs> awesome. Sick. Cool. Wow. Now, does that road, is that, can you use that for crossing things, or is it literally a road? <laughs> no. <laughs> that'd be it's, super funny. It's just, oh my god, if they actually did do that, that'd be amazing. It should give you swiftness while you're air. on the road. I mean, Jalus, um, uh, Jalus Revenant would be OP in jumping puzzles. Well, it... It's actually a lightning field, so if anyone blasts it, it will give you swiftness while you're on the road. Sick. Follow Amazing. The yellow mist road. Follow the yellow mist road. Anyway, are you gonna play? Are you gonna play I... in Asura and make some sort of reference to the lollipop guild? Or I will represent the lollipop guild. Actually, I will create the lollipop guild. I will rep it, and then I will take screenshots. Um. Make the guild tag Oz. Right. Yes. <laughs> I. Oz has a special place in my heart. I'm not gonna lie. I worked. I worked backstage for a production of it, and it was does have a very special place in my in my my feelers. But anyway, Malik skills. Malik. <laughs> so his number six heals more for every condition that's on you. Um, does not remove no- them though. Doesn't remove them. Um, number seven, banish enchantment. It's a boon removal, but if you have three conditions, it applies confusion on your enemy. So that's pretty Additional cool. Additional confusion. It applies confusion base, but it just does more if you have conditions. Mm, yeah. That's cool. This is the one that might shake up uh, World v. World, which is cool. We talked about earlier. Unyielding anguish. Leap to an area and shadow step to your enemies. Shadow step... I'm sorry, shadow step your enemies away from it. Now, I think I wanted to mention this is... Uh, I think it'll be interesting because it sounds like that means that you won't be able to use it to knock people off of things because you can't shadow step off of cliffs and things like that. So... It, because of the way that it like tethers your uh, shadow stepping. Yeah. Yeah, so... but if you are <laughs> if you're on some weird train because you can shadow step like um think of in fractals when you're going 
the the switchbacks up the cliffside fractal. Mm -hmm. If you're a thief, you can put your your shadow step on the bottom of that platform and shadow step up. And that's actually fairly common in in PvP and other places because yeah. there's mm -hmm. enough enough nodes that you can your movement can be tracked on. If there's a certain number of those movement things, uh, you can shadow step to that area if it detects. Ah, yes, okay, you can walk there. Isn't yeah? I was gonna um, say. I believe the algorithm is just that you have to be able to walk there without jumping. Yeah, and it's it's within a certain number of steps. Right. I think as well. Yeah. Um. But that if you do that in a in an area where there's a lot of ramps and stuff, I'm curious if enemies will end up in strange places. That'd be cool. <laughs> Six thousand feet above the fight. Anyway. You want to continue on, Raven? Well, that could be. Well, have you guys ever tried to cap um, things, or cap the bloodlust in your Borderlands in World of the World? Yes. There, I think there's some ramps and things where you could do that, and if the Revenant could jump, you could hold them longer. You might be able to cap all of them yourself with the Revenant. See, OP again. <laughs> anyway, the next skill is Pain Absorption. Pulls counties from allies to self. You gain resistance per condition pulled. So it just goes with the whole. I need uh, conditions to be buff is, and awesome. Is there a target limit on that? Probably, Do we know? almost I mean, certainly. There have to be. There's a target limit on pretty much everything. Well, I okay. Let me rephrase that. Is there a condition limit with that? Uh, sure, there's five know. targets, but are you literally just going to take all the conditions from those five targets? Did we actually get to see the mouse over that skill, or is that just a description of it? Um. I can check. I when I made the show notes, I was watching Ready Up, and I just typed a you know kind of a basic description as I I didn't want to copy down the tooltip, but I will check on that and let you know. I'm looking at it right now. And while Evie looks it up, we have embrace the darkness, become a Malik's avatar, and pulse all conditions on you to enemies around you. That is so cool. The We've seen in in points of interest they used a, a human character. We've seen a, a char screenshot of it as well. You become a dark, glowy, purpley mass with six purple eyes. You actually, hot damn, that looks good. Because <laughs> Malix was the chief general for Abaddon. Abaddon. Yeah, he was also a gorilla. Just throwing that out. He was there. a gorilla. I just want to say a that like scythe for killing him. This it was my favorite. Everything that I've been hearing and reading about Heart of Thorns is like just feels like a gut punch as a conditioned necromancer. Like pretty much everything. Yeah, that's great. Greatsword will fix everything. Yeah, if it's a condition weapon. It's not. <laughs> right. It's gonna be a Zerker weapon. It'll be a power weapon. And that's why I finally broke down and bought Zerker gear. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, it's just this is just confirming my suspicion. The... Well, this is kind of off topic, but that's great because when you have your lich form and Zerker gear, I dropped a uh, time warp of fighting the Terragriff bosses in Silver Waste. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is beautiful because it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it was like half the skill bar, half skill or half the health bar for one of the Terragriffs in like five seconds. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's having having played some on the on the Zerker Necker lately, like, it's just disgusting how much faster I kill things. Like, I even kill friggin' husks faster with physical damage than I did with condition damage to things that were supposed to be weak to condition damage and resistant to physical damage. <sighs> I haven't experienced yep. that. I've had better, I've had better uh, luck with conditions against husks myself. Yeah. 
Did you find that tooltip, Yeah, it's only one condition per uh, person and it's five people. Okay. So it's not quite as OP as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Still going to be good, though. And that definitely will find a place. The Embrace of Darkness, I mean. We'll find a place in a World v. World. Both yeah. Embrace Darkness and Pain Absorption. That is going to change the back train, as uh, organized guild groups like to call it. And can I just point out that <clears throat> all of their skills have relatively low cooldowns. Like, the longest one, I think, is 50 seconds. And that's the taunt. Like, Right of the Great Dwarf, the quote, Elite, has a 40-second cooldown. Well, these skills cost energy, don't they? Yeah, I was going to say, it's because they cost energy. I mean, scale. Like, I saw when he used it, his energy bar didn't completely disappear when he used Right of the Great Dwarf. In fact, he used it twice in a row. Yeah, but he probably wasn't using his other skills like at nearly as much as he could be. So I mean that I mean that's sort of the the counterbalance. Like he could be using his other skills more like a traditional class does because they don't have energy, but he wasn't so that he could use it, use his more powerful skill multiple times. Like I don't know. I'm just I'm worried that the revenant is going to fall into a pit similar that the um thief fell into with their weapon skills where they specialize into something and you basically only use this one skill as much as possible. I think it... Maybe. I, I think that the versatility... In not in PvP. Well, it happens in PvP for, like, not-so-good thieves. I think there's a greater diversity, though, in the skills that we've had previewed that will sort of lead them to because a lot of the thief skills that take initiative are like just different ways of doing damage and most of them just the ones that get spammed are by far the most efficient way to do that whereas a lot of these ones are a little bit more situational or like not direct damage skills and so that gives you more interesting like counterplay i feel so i don't know we'll see i'm hopeful I just had a like nightmare vision for World v World of full dire uh mace Malix revenants like oh my god all that all that hit points all that toughness all that condition damage and you then you see an aura of purple over the hillside and a scream and then someone's chanting Abaddon will eat your eyes and then yeah. you know it's over. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just gonna suck up all the conditions. He's gonna spread them to everybody with high condition damage. It's gonna be impossible to kill. It's gonna be a real pain. That's okay because you can counter it with resistance. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one one last teeny tiny thing does not have a huge huge bearing on the profession, but I find it pretty neat. When you switch legends, there's a rolling. UI effect, so they've, they've developed tech to put animation on your skill bars. They said, we'll be seeing it in, in specializations, not necessarily in um, existing professions, but in, in their specializations. And also with that, on the Revenant, when you're channeling a legend, they'll talk to you while you're you're channeling them. So Malix will be whispering scary things into your ear, telling you to wipe out the enemy Zerg with your overpowered conditions and resistance. And he will be telling you to eat eyes. Yeah. Awesome. So, potential for getting really repetitive and old, neat lore. Uh, Want to buy um, Chatter Frequency Slider? Yes. 
Okay, let's let's just uh, move on towards our show closing ceremonies here because we're starting to run pretty long. Okay, here we go. Cast, cast. Not gonna mess it up. Cast, cast. The podcast within the podcast about the cast of other. Co- Dang it! Not it's been too long, today, spirit. Guys, sorry. That's what happens if you take a week off. You can't remember how to cast, cast. I have to. I'll have to practice this week. I'll get it next week, guys. I'm sorry. Um. Uh. Quick. Super quick pro tip: If you are doing map completion before. Heart of Thorns because you want to have a gift of exploration kept. Uh, apparently, and I haven't tried this myself, but I've heard heard good good things about it. If you use a tonic to map complete in World v. World, a lot of players will leave you alone. And there's a thread on it with with people talking about their experiences using a tonic. Um, some say if if people start following you uh, to use the tonic, uh, like take it, and if they keep following you, take it off and use it again. Because most most roamers and people will generally leave leave people in tonics alone. So your mileage may vary depending upon how much of a jerk the the enemy team is and how much how many bags they want. But it seems at least to be a consensus among World v. World players in this thread that it is it will be a huge boon to you if you are using a tonic. And don't even try it if you're on Blackgate because we're just gonna murder you anyway because we hate you. No, I'm just kidding. That's totally a joke. <laughs> I was gonna say you're on Yak's Bend. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. So the uh, one other thing I have, I really don't have much this week because it's it's been a crazy time trying to get our website back up. By the way, if you're hearing this, our website is back up, and it has been a nightmare and a half to to deal with our former host, but we're former host free, not naming any names, but it starts with a B and ends with a Lou host. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so so we've migrated. I've I wanted to give a shout out to one of our guildmates and my friend JD, who has been absolutely we I could not have done this without him. But we are back. Our our feed should be back if you're hearing this, and the website is is coming along swimmingly, and he's in so much to help us. So major shout out and love to you JD. Thank you. Yes, thank you. From all of Relics. Um, yeah. The... I'm making a heart with my hands but you can't actually see it because we don't do video anymore. But oh. that is for you. That's okay. Even though we don't do video anymore, I still wave after every show because <laughs> I I love everyone. <laughs> the last thing I have this week is qqmore.net. I may have talked about it in the past or I may have thought that I talked about it in the past. But it's a a website dedicated to teaching people how to PvP in Guild Wars 2. There's a lot of um, video video breakdowns of how to go about learning. There, there's some teaching, but there's also one of the ones that I've benefited from is there's a there's a video on mindset and frustration in PvP, so that you can you can go in and learn without getting frustrated, and that is very important to me because I always feel that if I'm dying I'm failing my team and I'm really really hard on myself when I do PvP so listening to even though it's almost common sense but having someone tell me that has been beneficial to me so that you just gotta learn in our show notes yeah learn go as don't I mean failures are uh, lessons they're not failures exactly so that's in our show notes if you are interested in getting into PvP in, in Guild Wars 2. Fraben, do you want to do your thing? 
Yeah, so uh, we're going to do a little uh, giveaway of some Ascended Mats. And this uh, is going to be a trivia question. And this is going to, don't, don't expect it every week. And uh, the frequency that it happens and the difficulty of the question may vary. But we're going to give it a run, see where, you, see where we're going. I'm just going to explain. So the first three people that will answer the question we have this week, um, as by timestamps on our uh, Twitter, will get in order a piece of cloth, um, the Ascended Cloth, the Ascended Steel, and the Ascended Spirit, which I'm forgetting the names of them exactly. But anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. So if uh, Evie would read the question for us real quick. <clears throat> if Mordremoth can attack the Mother Tree in the Grove, where can Mordremoth attack? There you go. So the first three people um, in timestamp order will get an ascended piece of uh, crafting material. And you can send those responses to us at Relics of Ord, O-R-R, on Twitter. Thanks. And that's been, uh, that's a wrap. So thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to us. And we will be back next week, probably. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more, just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 